Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, I want to say welcome to all of you at all of our campuses this morning. Um, and if you're just joining us today on one of our campuses, you're kind of coming in at the end of a sermon series. And what that means is a sermon series is like a big conversation or a sermon kind of divided over several weeks. So today, we're kind of landing the plane on a conversation that we've had for about the last five weeks. And it's been built around this question here. What do you wonder? Because the truth is, we all wonder about a lot of different things, don't we? But the one thing that we all wonder about is this whole idea of what is our purpose in life. And oftentimes, the way that we kind of package this wonder about our purpose is we'll say something like this, you know, I wonder if I'll be happy, or I wonder if my life will have meaning, or I wonder what, I'm on, what on earth am I here for? And the reason it's so hard for most of us to kind of figure out our purpose is because we all go to the wrong places to try to discover what our purpose is. In fact, most of us, we, we kind of assume this, and we've talked about this throughout this series, we, just, we assume that to discover our purpose, we need to focus on ourselves. So we do life looking in the mirror. See, because the thought is this, I need to focus first on my life. I, I need to understand me. I need to take care of me. I need to make sure that me is happy. But as we've learned together over the last few weeks, Jesus kind of taught us, he said, no, 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 it's not about you. In fact, he taught us, as long as you think it's about you, you'll miss the wonderland of purpose that God has all around you. In fact, if you want to discover your purpose, what we learned is this, the wrong question to ask is, what's in it for me? The better question is to look out the window to God's wonderland of purpose and ask the question, what does love require of me? Because as we've said, purpose is always found just across the border of what's in it for me. So over the past few weeks, we talked about what that can look like, how you can live your life of purpose that God has uniquely created you to live. In fact, if you missed any of those conversations, you can catch all those episodes on our website or on our RCC app. So today, we're going to wrap up this conversation by addressing one final question. And here's the question, what prevents you from living out God's purpose for your life? What prevents you from living out God's purpose for your life. In fact, if, if maximum meaning and peace and happiness is found in living out God's purpose in your life, why don't more people do that? Now, here's why this question matters so much. Remember when you were like in school and you were taking a test and it was a timed test and, you know, it was one of those bubble tests where you fill in all the bubbles and your teacher would give you the amount of time, and then she'd say, okay, five minutes, one minute, and then it'd be like, time's up, pencil's down. And if you're like me, you'd like try to hurriedly mark all the C's real quick because you thought, well, that's my best chance of getting all the ones right that I haven't filled out yet. But your teacher would see you doing it, and she'd shut you down and goes, it's a time test, it's over. And as we learned last week, your life, it has a deadline too. Life on this side of eternity is a timed test. In fact, this life is just preparation for eternity where you're going to spend a whole lot more time. But here's the catch. You don't know how much longer the test will be for you here and now. There's a deadline in your life, and, and, and it's coming. And when God says, 
pencils down, time's up, there's no second chance to redo your one and only life. You will have either lived your life of purpose that lasts into eternity, or you will have wasted your one and only life. So it really does matter what you do with the time that God has given you. In fact, Jesus talked about this often with his followers. And, and so one day Jesus is on this, on this beach and he's surrounded by this large crowd of people who really couldn't get like enough of his teaching. But Jesus knew that it was so much easier to hear his teaching than to do what he was teaching. So he makes up this story, and, and he makes up this story for one big reason, and that is this. He wanted them to kind of hit the pause button in their life and actually evaluate how well they were living out God's design for them and, and to examine their own lives. And so he makes them aware of what we're calling some purpose pitfalls. Now, these pitfalls that we're going to explain that they, they, is here's the thing we've heard people like talk about you know what we've been kind of like pursuing for the um last couple of weeks of just saying listen it's all about helping you understand what god wants for you to do but these pitfalls what they do is they help to kind of explain how people can hear what we've been talking about for the last few weeks but do nothing about them so as we look at this story that Jesus tells, it is our hope that basically you'll do the same thing that Jesus wanted for those people on that beach to do, is that you will pause and you'll examine what you need to do to live the life that God has created for you. In fact, here's how Matthew, who was here that day on that beach listening to Jesus tell the story, here's how the story goes. We find it in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, you got to understand, this wasn't modern-day farming, so literally a farmer would walk out, and he would walk through his field after they had tilled the soil, and they would just literally sow seed, scatter seed all by hand. Notice what happens. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, literally where people had been walking, and now it's hardened. And birds came by and ate up that seed. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And notice what happened from that. But when the same sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. So Jesus, as he's telling this story, he says, some of the uh, seed falls on the ground that has become a path. So it's easy like picking for the birds. Other seeds fell on parts of the ground with just a lot of rocks and just a thin layer of dirt on top. So there's like nowhere for the roots to go. And you can't have group deep roots where there's no soil. And when there's no soil, you can't stand, if there's not deep roots, you can't withstand the hot sun. In fact, Jesus goes on, he says, so that was part of it. But other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, when Jesus tells this story, all the people listening in the first century, they're thinking, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. We go out in our fields and we sow this seed and, and it falls wherever it falls. Some takes root and some doesn't. And what they all understand in this moment is this. The soil the seed falls on makes all the difference. See, this was just a very common experience in first century agriculture. But Jesus is not telling a lesson 
about agriculture. He's making a much bigger point with the story. So he ends the story by saying this, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, this statement right here is probably like a common saying that like rabbis or teachers would use whatever in that, in that culture, whenever they wanted to, to encourage their students to like spend some more time exploring what they had just taught, as well as encouraging them and inviting them to apply what they had just heard in their lives. So Jesus is inviting his disciples to say, here, you, you need to apply this to your life. You need to understand this for your life. The problem is, if you read on in the story, Jesus' disciples like Matthew and John and Peter and James, I mean, those guys, they couldn't understand the conversation. They couldn't even figure out what the conversation was about. So, so they asked Jesus, hey, could you kind of explain this a little bit more for us? I mean, like, what did you mean? And here's where Jesus explains the pitfalls that can derail us from a life of purpose. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom. Now pause there for just a minute. Because I want to remind you about the message of the kingdom. We've been talking about the message of the kingdom for the last three or four weeks. See, Jesus said... God's kingdom is a other-focused kind of kingdom. It's an other-centered kind of kingdom. Literally, the kingdom or the message of the kingdom is, if you want to be great, there's nothing wrong with being great because God created you for greatness. But the message of the kingdom is, if you want to be great, then serve. It's, it's like you live your life looking out the window instead of in the mirror. It's to realize that purpose begins where self-centeredness, it ends. It's, it's not about you, and when you understand that, that's the message of the kingdom. It's not about you, and when you understand that, then you'll see clearly what you were created to do. That's the message of the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And he's about to explain that how you respond to this message, what you do with this message, determines if you're ready for the day when God says, pencils down, your time's up. So Jesus says, when anybody hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, and this little phrase, and does not understand it, means they don't embrace it, they don't internalize it, they don't apply it to their life. Notice what happens. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. This is the seed sown along the path. And, and this is really Jesus' way of saying, for some of you, my purpose, you'll never pursue that for yourself because just like a path has gotten hardened, you have hardened your hearts. You've hardened your hearts and you've kind of chosen to disregard what I'm saying. Now, here's the question. Why would a person refuse to explore the possibility that God created them on purpose for a purpose? Why, why would someone refuse to do that? And the answer most often is this one word right here. It's fear. See, fear is a purpose pitfall. In fact, for some of you, th this is exactly where you're at right now. Fear is holding you back 
from experiencing the wonderland of purpose that God has for you. Like, you're afraid to pursue your purpose in your life because of your past. I mean, like, you've chosen, like, to believe, and, and maybe you've even been told by some well-meaning people who call themselves Christ followers that because of, like, your choices in the past that you made, decisions that you made in the past, lifestyle that you had in the past, that you've blown your chance to live out God's purpose for your life. So you believe that God doesn't have a unique purpose for you anymore. See, you believe that you lost your chance at God's unique purpose for your life because, like, you're divorced. Or that you have some kind of addiction that you struggle with. Or you, you lost your chance for your purpose when you had that affair or when you abandoned your kids or when you moved in with her or whatever that failure is in your life. So, so you're missing God's purpose for your life simply because you are afraid that you have messed up your chance. In fact, throughout this whole series, if, if you've been with us, I mean, it's kind of like this has been the tension that you have felt with your life. Because you're thinking, no, God could never use me. God, you know, he's abandoned his purpose for me because of my past. And that's just not true. For others of you, your pitfall is, that you're afraid that you're not worth it, that you're not valuable. I mean, God couldn't possibly have a plan for your life because you don't see yourself as a valuable person. You don't see yourself as a purpose person of worth. And, and maybe it's because you, you live your whole life with like your dad's voice or your mom's voice or somebody else's voice echoing that message in your mind. So, so you hear us say something like this, you know, God has a purpose for your life and God loves you and he cares about you and he wants to use you, but you're too afraid to believe it. You're, you're too afraid to believe that that might be true. And so you just shut it down as a possibility for you say, you say, well, that may be true for everybody else, but not me. And then some of you, you aren't pursuing your purpose in life because you're just afraid to trust God with your life. You're not sure what he's going to have for you is going to be best for you. And so you're not just willing to let go and just follow God with your life. Listen, there is a high price to pay when you let fear lead the way. So, so you need to be really honest about where you're at. And, and, and if you're resisting because you're like scared that you've blown it in your past or you're afraid that you're not worth it to God, that you're not valuable enough to God or you won't trust God with your life, you owe it to yourself to at least admit what's really going on inside of you. Because see, you only get one shot at living out your purpose in this life, you only get one and only life. And God says your past never negates that purpose. Listen, if fear has a grip on you, here's what we encourage you to do. Believe. Believe. Would you just choose to believe that you haven't blown it? Would you just make that choice to believe that God says, no, you haven't blown it too bad in the past. My love, my grace is bigger than anything that you have in your past. 
Would you be willing to believe that you are so worth it and that Jesus' death on the cross for you proves how valuable you are? And would you choose to believe that God really can be trusted with your life? And while I'm saying that, there's some of you still thinking, going, well, I, I don't know that I can believe that. I, I still have way too many doubts and too many fears. Well, here's the good news. You can still choose to believe with doubts and fears. I mean, you believe things all the time in spite of your doubts and your fears. So what if, what if today you started acting as if you were confident that your past doesn't negate your future? What if you believe that God's purpose for your life was so much bigger than your failures? What, what if you acted as though you really believed that you were valuable to him and and that he loves you so deeply that he sent his son to die for you on the cross. I mean, think about it. What do you have to lose if you believe? You got nothing to lose if you believe. But if you ignore your purpose because of fear, you have everything that God has created you to do and to experience to lose. See, if you believe you might just discover the wonderland of purpose that God has for you. So fear is the first pitfall that Jesus talked about. But there were several more. Notice the second one, because it can get us all as well. Here's what he says. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, literally they hear what Jesus says, they hear God's word, and, and they're all excited. But he's like saying, they, they at once receive it with joy, but he's going, emotion can't sustain you. And then he goes on. He says, but since they have no root, they only last a short period of time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall Away, And this is all Jesus' way of saying, listen, some of you are not living out your purpose simply because you're content with immaturity. You don't have deep roots. So some of you are just content with that. See, for some of you, he's saying, like, your purpose pitfall is emotional immaturity. I mean, you like allow emotions to drive your decisions. And, and when you're excited about something, it's like you're all in until you're not. Because as soon as the emotion starts to wear off or, or you start hitting some trouble in life or things are not as exciting as they were, or they're not as fun as they were, then you chase another emotional high. Literally, you've never developed the discipline to lead yourself emotionally. You never develop the discipline to pursue what you want the most over what you want now. And emotional immaturity, it's going to cost you the peace that comes from living your purpose in life. But that's not the only kind of immaturity that sabotages our purpose. Not only does emotional maturity, but spiritual immaturity. See, it's spiritual immaturity and emotional immaturity that causes you to quit whenever trouble hits. I mean, you've just never spent the time, what Jesus is saying, listen, you've never spent the time to grow deep roots. You've never spent the time investing in spiritual habits that help you develop deep roots with God. So your faith 
Is it strong enough to kind of like withstand the obstacles? Make sure you understand this. What Jesus is basically saying about this rocky soul is he's saying, listen, when you have spiritual immaturity in your life, your faith isn't strong enough to withstand the obstacles that everyone faces pursuing their purpose. You, you always say, well, I'm the exception. I just, you know, life is so hard. You say, no, 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 no. It's just a lack of deep roots. I mean, it's like you listen to sermon after sermon. You go, man, that's what I want. That's what I want. But by, by, by Monday morning, you know, something's happened in your life, and you're already give up again. It's just like, oh, I, just, I can't do it. It's not worth it. So what do you do to overcome this pitfall of emotional and spiritual immaturity? Here's what you do. You invest. Specifically, you invest in habits that will help you grow your faith. Now, we talk about five of them that we believe are essential habits to grow your faith all the time. We're just going to put them up on the screen here. Practical teaching, providential relationships, personal ministry, private discipline, and pivotal circumstances. So here's how you do. You invest in these kind of habits. There are so many more, but we say like these are the five faith catalyst that will grow your faith. So you invest, invest in habits that grow your faith. So you develop the habit of like hearing God's word taught on a regular basis. That's, that's practical teaching. That's what many of you are doing on Sundays. You have this habit in your life because it helps to grow your faith. Or you spend time, another habit is you spend time like talking to God through prayer and, and reading the Bible regularly, daily. And that's what we call private disciplines. Or, or you get involved in, in serving at the church or in the community on a consistent basis. And, and that's what you call the habit of personal ministry. Or you get in a small group where you've intentionally put people in your life who can encourage you and then challenge you to get back on track when you start pursuing what you want now over what you want the most, and, and we call that providential relationships. So those are the habits that we have. It's like, it's like helping you get on track and grow your faith because these habits, they absolutely grow you to a whole nother level. Now, here's the thing about these habits. If you want to get to your life's deadline knowing that you have lived out your purpose, you have to invest in developing habits that will help you grow. You, you have to do it. It's the only way to overcome the purpose pitfall of immaturity. And let me just go ahead and say this. Right after our services at all of our campuses, we, we would love to have like a 10-minute conversation with you about how you can live out and begin to start living these habits in your life. And in fact, we will share with you at the end of, of the service the location on each of your campuses and, and how you can be a part of that conversation. So fear and immaturity are pitfalls, but that's not the only ones Jesus said. Jesus said there is another pitfall as well. Notice it. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, don't miss that word, the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth, don't miss that word, choke the word, literally the word of God, making it unfruitful. In other words, Jesus says, listen, you can miss out living your purpose in life because of distractions, and he mentions two of those. He says, you can get distracted by one thing, called this thing called worry, that basically the things that you don't have control over. That's one of the primary distractions of, per, 
of your purpose is worry. You worry about this and you worry about that and then what if this happens and what if that doesn't happen and, and you know what you do when you worry? I mean, this is so important. Don't miss this. Worry causes you to trade living out your purpose for a sense of control. See, when you worry, you can't stay focused on what you were created to do. Instead, you try and control, which is something that you were never created to do. And for some of you, this is where you are. I mean, you know you should be doing something with your life. God has already spoken to you and showed you what you should be doing in your life. But you have let worry wreck your life. You've let worry paralyze you from being fruitful with your life. I mean, you're just so worried it won't work out, or you're worried that you won't have enough, or you're worried that God won't take care of you. So worry has distracted you from living out God's purpose for you. For others of you, your distraction is not worry. Your distraction is wealth. In fact, Jesus called it the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with wealth, but there is something very wrong with believing wealth can give you what only purpose can give you. And here's the thing about this. Because we live in the 21st century and we are in America, we experience a lot of affluence and we all have a tendency to pursue wealth at the expense of worth, to pursue wealth and pleasure at the expense of purpose. See, we kind of fall for the lie in America, and sometimes don't even realize it, that we think that more makes great. It doesn't. Jesus came along and said, no, no, no. Living your purpose makes great. Serving others by fulfilling the purpose that God has given you makes great. And so some of you, you won't do what God has created you to do because it might cost you some wealth but that's a very short-sighted play because here's the reality when it's pencils down when time's up your wealth won't deliver what it promised it's only purpose that helps you pass the test and by the way you've heard this before but you have never seen anybody take their wealth with them when they go so what do you do what do you do to avoid this distraction, this pitfall of worry and wealth? Here's what you do. You prioritize. You decide to prioritize your life by God's values, not your own. Now, here's what that requires. That requires this thing called trust. See, until you trust God enough to believe that he knows best, you're going to keep falling for the distractions of worry and wealth because purpose is so easily derailed or derailed by misplaced priorities. But here's the bigger question. What would happen if you use God's priorities for you? Like, if you used your time, your talent, and your treasure based upon God's priorities. See, what if you pursued the right things in the right order? Here's what I think you would find because Jesus says this next. You might find just 
what you've been looking for in life. In fact, here's what, how Jesus says it. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this phrase right here, understand it again, means they internalize it, they apply it to their life, they act on it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So don't miss what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, this is what your life can look, 160 or 30 times what was sown. If you will simply choose to take what you have learned about God's purpose for your life and act on it and order your life around it. Literally, he says, here's what you need to do. You need to commit to progress. Progress. Progress in serving and loving others. Because Jesus says, what you'll gain will be far much greater than what you give. You're, you're going to reap 30, 60, 100, maybe what, times what you've sown. In fact, this is kind of how you make the most of your life. Listen, you don't get to choose what God's purpose is for your life. You don't get to choose how much talent you have. You don't get to choose how much ability that he's given you. But here's what you do have control over. Here's what you can choose. You have total control over the kind of soil that you offer to God every day. And here's what you'll discover as you follow God. And that is this. God doesn't want the smartest person in the world. He wants the most surrendered person. God is not nearly concerned about your talent and your ability as he is your trust in him. And here's the thing. If you'll pursue who he created you to be, you'll make the most of what he's given you. Not only given you, but you'll make the most of what he's designed and created you to do. So here's the challenge. Will you live your life for the one who created you, loves you, and designed you for a purpose. Will you do that? Will you trust God enough to stop letting the what's in it for me question drive your life and instead live driven by the question of what does love require of me? Will you do that? Like, will you wake up every day and, and will you choose to look for where God is at work around you and then join him in your work? Like, will you explore and understand how God uniquely created you to make a contribution and then use your gifts, your abilities, your talents, and your experiences to serve others? Will you do that? Will, will you do that in such a way that other people can experience the love of God up close and personal through you? Like, will you be the best employee you can be, the best manager, the best boss, the best supervisor? Like, will you earn the respect of all the people around you by the way you handle yourself every day and let the purpose of your life at work be to show that God is at work in your life? And then here's the big one. And it's based on what Jesus just said in this parable, and that is this, will you take responsibility for giving God a heart and a life fully surrendered to him because you and you alone get to control the kind of soil that God works with through your life. 
See, if you want to avoid the pitfalls that derail your purpose, if you want to get to the end of your life and, and know that you've lived a life that will last for eternity, here's what Jesus says you need to do. You need to believe, you need to invest, you need to prioritize, and you need to progress in a life of loving and serving others. See, you, first of all, you, you believe. You believe it's not about you, but you believe that you are loved and you're valuable to the one who created you and that he has a purpose for you no matter, my, no matter what you did in your past. And then you, you invest. You invest in your own emotional and spiritual growth by developing habits and applying hell habits that God would have for your life that would help you to grow and mature enough so that you won't be so self-centered and that you'll put others before yourself. And then you prioritize. You prioritize your time, your talent, and your treasure. You prioritize all of that around pursuing your purpose and not your pleasure. And then you progress in serving and loving others by the way that God created you to do. That's what you progress in. And here's why this matters so much. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to pursue your purpose. You, you have no idea how this will impact your kids and, and your grandkids and your family and your friends and people in this community and beyond. You have no idea. And what you begin to discover as you, you begin to pursue your purpose is that you are too small a purpose to live for, but you are way too important a life to waste. So as we end this series, we just make the commitment to take and say, I, I'm going to put down the mirror. And I'm going to do my life looking out through the window of God's wonderland of purpose to all the people that he has around me, that he's calling me to serve? And will you quit making life about you so that you will be able to enjoy the wonderland of purpose that God has for you? Now, inside uh, your worship guides when you came in today, you, you received a next step card that looks something like this. And you begin, can begin to take the next best step by filling out this card in, in just a moment. It'll help you discover kind of what your next best step is for you and Here's four things that Jesus said that we need to do to take your next best step. And that is this, believe, invest, prioritize, and progress. So here's how we're going to close out this series. I'm going to pray for you, and then the band is going to come out, and, and they're going to sing a song. And, and it's just going to give you time to focus on whatever commitment that God is calling you to make. In fact, as the band leads a song, I just want you to stay seated and, and prayerfully fill out this card as a commitment to take your next step to discover God's wonderland of purpose for you. Because some of you, it's all of these. It's believe, it's invest, it's prioritize, it's progress. For others of you, it's two or three. Or for some of you, it's one. And then here's what we want you to do. After you fill this out, we want you to drop these in the giving buckets in just a moment when we worship God by practicing generosity. And here's what we're going to do. When you fill this out, we're going to make sure that we connect with you and help you make sure that you're able to take that step as you pursue God's wonderland of purpose for your life. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this incredible opportunity to really pause, to do exactly what Jesus was hoping his audience would do when he told this story, 
to pause and, and, and ask ourselves, where, where do I need to believe? Where do I need to invest? Where do I need to prioritize? Where do I need to progress in serving and loving others as Christ has loved and served me? God, I just pray that as each one of us lean in to this opportunity to live out and experience our purpose that you've created us for, God, I pray that you help us to do it with a heart that is so other-focused because that's the only way it works. So may today be the day when we say, Jesus, today's our day. We're going to pursue purpose. We're going to put the mirror down and we're going to look out the window and pursue the wonderland of purpose by believing that we are who you say we are, by investing in habits that will grow us emotionally and spiritually, by prioritizing around our purpose and not our pleasure, and then by daily checking ourselves to make sure that we are progressing in offering you the best soil to work with, by loving and serving others like you loved us. In Jesus' name we pray.